Hey there! So this was an interview with my friend Amanda Gale. We were doing an Instagram live while we were recording for the podcast at the same time. Unfortunately, there's a little bit of feedback and some editing that I needed to do throughout, so I apologize for the sound quality. It should be okay to listen to and to hear fairly well, um, but I just wanted to prep you for that. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. We talk about bloating, we talk about uh, food, we talk about our upcoming events starting this Sunday that you can find out more information in the show notes. So enjoy this podcast. Welcome to this special episode of Healing SIBO and IBS with BetterHelp by Monica. Today we're talking all about bloating and I have a special guest with me, Amanda Gale. Amanda Gale is from Amanda Gale Wellness. She's also a fellow health coach and she helps people ditch digestive issues and conquer their kitchens. So like me, she specializes in gut health, but with an emphasis on food, which is really not my strength. I'm not very, um, I'm not the best in the kitchen. My fiance is, but um, I love that her strength is kind of one of my weaknesses. So we have lots of different perspectives to author, offer, but on the same line and the same principles of, of how to deal with SIBO and IBS. And I'm sure everybody who's dealt with digestive dysfunction, SIBO and IBS, we've all asked ourselves, what the heck do we eat when everything makes us sick? What the heck do we eat when everything makes us bloated after we eat? What do we eat when we have all of these restrictions and how should we be eating? And the most important question is how should we be thinking about our food? So we're going to get into all of that because these are questions that I struggled with. I'm sure Amanda struggled with it. I know she struggled with it. Um, and I still sometimes struggle with the whole food and ingredient conundrum. So Amanda and I are actually teaming up for what I'm calling the ultimate week of healing starting this upcoming Sunday. So we're going to discuss these events. We're going to discuss how you can sign up for these events. And we're going to have a conversation about what is bloating, what causes bloating, the foods that are the biggest culprits, some tips on what you can do today to reduce your bloating down, um, and just really get into this most popular subject of uh, digestive issues. So without further ado, thank you so much for being here with me today. Amanda, why don't you briefly tell us about yourself and mention your upcoming event, and then we'll get into the discussion. Awesome, Monica. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm really, really excited to be teaming up with you for this ultimate healing week. I think that the information that we're going to be sharing is going to be really amazing for people. And the best part is that it's free. So if you're struggling with digestive issues, um, you're definitely not going to want to miss our events. And if you aren't going to be able to make the events, you can always sign up and get all the information later, watch it on your own time. But just to give you a little bit of a background on myself, my name is Amanda, as you mentioned, and I struggled with digestive issues since early, early on in life. And that's how I kind of went down this path of becoming a health coach who now specializes in digestive health. So I struggled a lot with bloating, of course. That's why this topic is so near and dear to my heart. And, you know, I also had a whole other host of digestive issues that really started to take over my quality of life. And conventional medicine was not really helpful for me. And so I 
myself actually ended up hiring a health coach who then inspired me to become a health coach. And now today, I'm so grateful to say that I work one-on-one with clients to help them overcome their digestive distress using a holistic and natural approach. I also went to culinary school, so I'm a professionally trained chef. So as you mentioned, food is a big part of what I do. And one of my specialties and one of the things I love to do is to help people feel more confident in the food that they eat. Because I think that when you when you're somebody who struggles with digestive issues, food can really become such a source of anxiety and fear. And um, as a chef, as a health coach, especially in digestive issues, I really try to help people work through that. And that's something that we're going to be definitely touching on in the event that we have coming up on December 5th. So this is actually where the recording got a little wonky. So Amanda's event is this Sunday, December 5th. It is Banish Bloating in Five Days. She's going to be giving you a recipe book. She's going to be giving you tons of information daily. And even if you can't make the live events on Facebook, she will she will be dropping all of the information into your inbox so that you have it. On day three of her event, she's going to be talking about stress management, and that's where my sound and healing movement session will be occurring on December 7th. So again, all that information is in the show notes and on our Instagrams and websites at betterhealthbymonica.com and amandagalewellness.com. So we're going to jump right into the conversation about bloating with my very first question for Amanda. Actually, that leads us into the first question, which is what causes bloating in the first place what is bloating what causes bloating so i'll let you start there Mm -hmm. so what causes bloating is definitely a loaded question because there's so many different things that could be a reason as to why you're bloated but um you know some of the heavy hitters i would say at least the ones that i see when i'm working with clients is We were just talking about stress, so I'm not going to go on about that, but that certainly is a cause of bloating. Um, Another big one is bacterial overgrowth that I think a lot of people, again, when I was on my healing journey, I didn't find out about um, SIBO, which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth until really far on. And it's something like 60% of people who have IBS also have undiagnosed SIBO. And one of the major symptoms of SIBO is this chronic bloating. Um, So that could be a major factor and that has its own underlying causes, which I won't get into now because I know we're trying to stick on the bloating um, (laughs) train, but that's, that's a big one. Also, another big one that I see a lot is people just not eating properly. I think that in our busy society. We're always on the go. We're always trying to rush through our breaks at work. We're trying to get kids out the door in the morning. We're trying to get in the car and run out the door. So during our meal times, we don't really take that time to actually chew and eat and digest our food. So just that part of digestion, I think it's overlooked, which when you're swallowing large chunks of food, and they're hitting your digestive system, that's going to cause all kinds of bloating because if they're not, you're swallowing whole pieces of food and you're not chewing it properly. So that certainly um, can be a cause of bloating as well. Um, do you have anything to add that really has stuck out for you in, with your clients on your journey? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like with bloating, there are two big things that stick out where it's like, either you have undigested food or the food is just not being like broken down properly. So it, it causes that feeling of fullness, that feeling of discomfort of indigestion, the opposite way, which is what causes, what can possibly cause SIBO, uh, possibly cause SIBO. Um, mm-hmm. It also is the, so my speaker is, is changing. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. I can hear you. Okay. okay. So actually my phone just changed so I can hear you. Let me turn you up. Oh, <laughs> my speed, my, my AirPods just changed to my computer. So it's okay. Anyway. So, oh, oh. so either you have those uh, feelings of excessive fullness because of undigested food, or you have some kind of gas production, right? You have the bacteria, the fungi, the yeast, whatever that is in balance that is causing the high levels of gas to happen. And so when you really think about that, well, what causes bloating? It's digestive, it's simple, it's digestive dysfunction along the digestive tract from the note from the mouth to the colon. There's all these resources. Digestion takes up so much energy. You need enzymes, you need, you know, this and that and that. And so if there's one thing that's going wrong along that route, then it's, Mm -hmm. you know, from also the nervous system aspect as well, like motility, then you're Mm -hmm. going to experience Mm -hmm. a symptom, which is bloating, right? So that's kind of the way I exactly. think Right. Yeah. And just to expand on that, like with the, an overgrowth, you know, the body itself does not create bloating, right? It's when the microbes in your guts that have overgrown in the small intestine, they eat the food that right. you eat. And when they eat the food that you eat, they ferment the food, which creates gas. And in the colon, you know, that's what it's, what, that's, what's meant to happen in the colon. When it's in your small intestine, you get all this fermentation from the microbes eating the food. That's what creates this expansion in your stomach is this fermentation process because it bubbles. Right. And then that's what creates um, this excess gas. Right. And that creates this bloating sensation, which can create acid reflux and it can create gas. Um, And I think another common cause is food intolerance. So like things to dairy, dairy is such a common food intolerance that a lot of people, if they don't have the necessary enzymes to break down um, lactose, then that's going to cause some irritation in your stomach, which can cause bloating as well. Right. right. And for some reason, bloating is the one thing that I feel like is very persistent and is often not solved by some protocols. Like I've had several clients who have gone through an antimicrobial or or antibacterial protocol, and they're still left with this chronic bloating. And so I think that it's important, you know, we're, we're talking about bloating for a reason because it's so prevalent and it's such a common symptom, but it's just that it's a symptom. It's a result of a much right. bigger problem. And so when we think about what can we do to help bloating, it's really under that umbrella of what can we do to help the bigger problem of what's going on because treating bloating will really not do much because you're bloated for a reason. So um, right. I guess we can touch on uh, how do you know when 
bloating is a problem or how do you know when you have digestive dysfunction? Cause to a level gas is normal. Bloating is normal, you know, but totally. when do you know, or when should you be alarmed unless it's, I'm, I'm sure we all have like an intuition of, okay, something's wrong. Like if we're sick, but when should you start to think maybe there's dysfunction happening? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd say a big indicator is if you're not going to the bathroom regularly. So like if you're constipated, that can cause bloating and constipation. I mean, you can poop every day and still be constipated. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize that, but if you're not going to the bathroom every day, if you're you know, going to the bathroom once every three days, then you might be constipated. And so that um, crosses over into the chronic bloating section as opposed to normal. Um, but I feel like it might be easier if we talk about like, what is normal bloating first? So you know, it's normal to bloat when maybe you have overeaten a little bit, like just the volume in your stomach is going to cause bloating naturally. Um, that's quite normal. It happens to everyone. Um, bloating, I think also is quite normal in females when we're PMSing just because of everything that's going on down there. And then, you know, it gets into the chronic, in my opinion, when, it's happening regularly or it's affecting your, your quality of life. So for me, like I was in pain, it wasn't just the physical bloating, it was painful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're laying awake in bed at night, because you're just so painfully bloated, that's when, you know, it's time to really look into it because it's, it's chronic at that point. How about you? Right. No, it's the same. I mean, for me, I think it got to a level where I was just tolerating it. And I was like, well, it's kind of, I know, I, I guess it's normal to be bloated after I eat. And honestly, I didn't really know any different until I didn't know any different. You know, I didn't know that yeah. it was possible to have a meal at 5 p.m. that was you know, healthy or not healthy didn't matter. I didn't know what it was like to not be uncomfortable from 5 p.m. on. And I remember just right. like laying in bed being like, just go to sleep because I'd wake up and I wouldn't be bloated because it, you know, I digested my food. But yeah, mm -hmm. I think, I think when it becomes chronic, when it becomes after all your meals that you have this discomfort, it's time to start to reflect on what your diet is, what your lifestyle is, because that is one of the, one of the symptoms that is so, um, we can tap into that, you know, we can feel bloating. Some of the other mm -hmm. symptoms that you get when you have disease, you might not get till years down the line, but digestion right. and symptoms with digestion is a huge early sign of if you don't take care of it, then it's going to cascade or it's going to cause other issues. Um, sorry, mm -hmm. other issues in the future. So, so mm -hmm. um, yeah. Any other thoughts before we kind of get to the next section about? Yeah, no, I, you know, I also like accepted it as my normal too. And I was like, oh, like everybody bloats after they eat or Oh, it's normal to have to unbutton your pants when you're out at a restaurant because your stomach right. is like, it is normalized. No, I know. It's normal. It's very normalized. Yeah. And when you deal with it for so many years, because 
you know, bloating for me, like I was like, Oh, I'm just bloated. Like, even though it was painful, it was affecting my quality of life. It wasn't anything crazy where I was like, Oh, I feel like I need to like go see someone for this, Mm -hmm. but it is an early sign of an imbalance. Right. So, you know, if somebody, if you're watching this and you're, you know, bloated all the time, but it's not like really that bad, I definitely encourage you to reach out to somebody because you might just be in the early stages of something that has the potential to get worse. And, you know, as SIBO gets worse or as anything gets worse, it can be even harder to get rid of. So, you know, even though it's easy to kind of ignore things and brush them off, it's also like super important to just give yourself the attention that it needs because in the future it might be a lot harder than it is now to get rid of. And I love how, mm-hmm. like, even just knowing that and, you know, telling people that to be aware of their symptoms, I love that we are in the business or in the field of preventative health so that, you know, because yeah. if you go to your doctor and you're like, I'm bloated, they're probably going to say, okay, we'll, you know, take some Pepto-Bismol or like, call me when it's, yeah, go take gas, you know, get a colonoscopy, yeah, I guess, whatever. So it's like, when mm-hmm. you tell us you're bloated, we're like, okay, we got A, B, C, D, E, F. It's like, let me just pull Yeah, I'm like, I have so many follow-up questions. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. okay. So let's move on to food because this is really, you know, what the heck are we supposed to eat? Let's, let's cover briefly what foods cause bloating in the first place and why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely... Um, you know, when I first went down the digestive rabbit hole, my, the first thing that came out of my doctor's mouth was, Oh, try a low FODMAP diet. I didn't know much about it. And all I got was like a sheet of paper about it. And I was actually in culinary school at the time where I was eating all of these high FODMAP foods that I was very unaware of. And so when I say high FODMAP foods, what I'm talking about is or are a group of foods that are highly fermentable when you digest them. And there's all kinds of different foods that are actually really healthy. And when you Google like gut healthy foods, like a lot of these foods that are high in FODMAPs are on those lists. But the reason why they you know, the reason why people who struggle with bloating cut them out is because if you're somebody who has an overgrowth in your gut, when you eat those foods, I was talking about earlier, this fermentation that creates the gas because they're foods that are easily fermented in your digestive system and they're food for the bugs. When they ferment in the wrong place, it creates excessive amounts of bloating and painful bloating. Um, So high FODMAP foods are the common ones are things like garlic, onions, broccoli, Brussels sprouts. There's a lot of fruits on the list because fruits are high in sugars. And the whole FODMAPs are short chain carbohydrates, which are sugars. Mm -hmm. So things like apples, almost all the stone fruits, mangoes, what else is on the list? Oh, there's asparagus, cauliflower, avocado. Yeah, sweet like potato. cruciferous, like anything that's high in fiber, beans, you know, like uh, beans, grains. Yep. Yeah. I mean, 
So this is, this is the whole conundrum because like you said, the, the bacteria feed, feed off of the FODMAPs, right? Right. And so when we have an imbalance of bacteria and the more you learn about the microbiome, you, you know, you understand how there's like some species that are good for you, you know, like, or normal flora. And then you have some species that are opportunistic, we call them. And I think it's important to stray away from good and bad because it's really about Mm -hmm. balance. It's about what, what is a healthy microbiome. And so when you feed, when you feed yourself FODMAPs and you feed yourself fermentable carbohydrates, you're feeding the bacteria that's in the gut. Sorry, you're, oh, can you hear me? You froze for a second. So the question is, like, it's not that those foods foods are bad. It's that if you have an imbalance, you're going to exacerbate the problem. If you have a high amount of pathogenic or not pathogenic, opportunistic bacteria that is overgrown, then those FODMAP foods are going to continue to create that um, imbalance sometimes but mm-hmm. I guess we'll get to this a little bit later because I want to talk about safe foods, but there's a little caveat there. Don't, wouldn't you say when it comes to thinking about FODMAP foods as bad foods, you know, what would you mm-hmm. say? To totally. Yeah. Because the whole point of the FODMAP diet is for it to be therapeutic. It's not a long-term solution. It is the whole point of it is to be short-term. So that way you minimize symptoms in order to give you some relief. But in reality, it's not meant to be a long-term commitment. Like the whole point of FODVAPs is just to help you man- uh, manage symptoms while we work on getting rid of those opportunistic guys that are in your gut. And I actually, to really break it down, when I'm working with my clients, I always say that the gut is like a wildflower garden. You have the flowers, which is what you want, but you also have all of the insects, you have the worms, the spiders, you have the weeds, you have the soil, you know, this is all part of the ecosystem. And in order for the flowers to thrive, everything has to be in balance. And that's where, you know, you need the bad guys, you, but you also need the good guys and they just have to live in harmony together. And I really love you just mentioned not using the terms bad and good, because I think that mentally, you know, I certainly, when I was on the FODMAP diet, I was like, apples are bad. Mangoes are bad, like onion and garlic bad. And so when I went to go introduce them, I was terrified. And, you know, you get that mental blockage where if you're going into your meal, terrified of what's about to happen, it's probably not going to be a good experience that you have because you have this preconceived notion of your experience. And therefore, like, even if it isn't causing you symptoms, it might in that instance, because you're so stressed out about it. Right. Right. So yeah. Yeah. When you're coming from the perspective of restriction of bad of, I can't have this because it will hurt me or because it will cause problems. 
then that's when you run into that whole, mm -hmm. like you, you really focus on this with your clients, your relationship with food. And we lose sight of the mm -hmm. fact that food is nourishment. We lose sight of the fact that food is necessary. And there may be a way that we don't have to follow a restrictive diet in order to help our bloating, help our SIBO, help our, our bacterial overgrowth. And so I want right. to, I want to come back to that, um, that right. idea of what our options are as far as when it comes to restrictive dieting, low FODMAP, bloating, SIBO. Um, and I would like to, uh -huh. just, just for the sake of tangible things, you know, for somebody who is experiencing a lot of bloating, what are some foods or maybe like cooking tips as well um, that can help somebody who's experiencing bloating? Or what would you say are safe, less reactive, or easily easier to digest and for people who might be in a really chronic situation right now? Mm -hmm. So I would say that eating cooked foods over raw foods is a big one because um, I used to be, well, I still am a salad girl. And I was like, give me all the raw vegetables and all the raw juice. Give me all the smoothies. And, uh, you know, they're, when you eat raw foods, yes, they have amazing health benefits, just like high FODMAP foods have amazing, amazing health benefits. But when your gut is in a condition where it's not optimized to digest food, mm -hmm. eating raw foods can really exacerbate what's going on in there. So when you cook foods, you break them down a little bit, which makes it so much easier for your body to digest. So if you're somebody struggling with bloating, I would say something that you can do right now to help with that is eat soups like broth based soups, like um, miso soup is great. Even just sipping on broth alone is very nourishing for your gut. And it's kind of therapeutic. So those are, I would definitely say cooked foods are a great place to start. And even things like raw kale in a smoothie, that can be too much. And you kind of want to stay away from that. So. Mm -hmm. And they also have the anti, like the the anti-nutrients and kale sometimes. So, so for some people, some people with raw food, they may be more reactive because of the, um, the, the properties of the food, the protective properties of the food. So cooking also, right. I'm not saying to never eat raw. If you can eat raw, do it, you know, but definitely cooking also, it makes it more digestible and it removes some of the properties that can be considered anti-nutrients and kind of steal different nutrients in the body impact digestion. So anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause plants want to live. Right. So they have, they grow, right. yeah, they have a defense mechanism that works against our digestive system because nature wants to, wants to go on. So when plants, so some plants have shells they have structures built around them that are literally meant to irritate our digestive system but if you have a strong healthy digestive system you're unfazed but if you're somebody who has maybe SIBO maybe you have leaky gut IBS it could be a little bit more triggering for you so yeah cooked foods that's a big one um I would also say maybe a little bit lower FODMAP foods which um, there, you know, we're going to dive into this during my five day events, but those can also be helpful for people. 
Um, another big one, I would say the, another big one, one of the first things actually I would, you know, encourage people to try is maybe seeing how they do for like two or three days without gluten and dairy. Mm -hmm. And with that, I'll say that even if you were to do like lactose free yogurt or like a goat milk yogurt can be really awesome. Um, Mm, I've never had goat milk. I wouldn't say gluten-free products because there's actually a lot of binders and additives in those, but, um, like white rice can be easy on the digestive system. Whereas brown rice might be irritating for some people. So usually because it has the plant's defense mechanism removed, which is the outer shell of the grain rice, white rice can be easier for people. So cooked foods, low FODMAP foods, um, dairy-free products, and um, white rice can be a really good fallback for people too. Anything that you would recommend? Yeah, I think it just goes along the lines of because you have digestive dysfunction, eating foods that are going to be essentially like pre-digested is going to be mm-hmm. better for you because then your body won't work so hard to break it down. And those, the bacteria won't be really heavily feeding on that food. So, uh, like you said, cooked foods, um, I, I, I've always been a fan of like high quality meal replacement shakes. I know that's not in the food category essentially, but it is a good way to just make sure that you're getting those nutrients because that's something that we kind of forget is that if somebody has digestive issues, there is a high chance that they are malnourished because they're the bacteria, Mm, right. right, The bacteria are responsible for assimilating our nutrients for breaking down the food and then extracting the nutrients, absorbing it, you know, through the, the, the gut lining. So because of that, because of the dysfunction we may be malnourished. And so we have to think about, well, what can I eat that my body can extract the nutrients from cooked food, broths, soups, um, soaked or also fermented. I know that fermented can also maybe exacerbate the the situation, but adding a little bit of fermented foods, like in small amounts, could be a way to also change the whole environment of the microbiome is just a little bit at a time and then soaking. And, um, what's the other one? Sprouting some sprouted. Sprouted. Yeah. Soaking sprouted, like soak your beans, soak your rice. Um, uh, and then there, Oh, like grains too. You can soak your grains and ferment them. Yeah. I actually, yep. Today I, this morning I woke up and I, I do a lot of dried beans and I put my, I'm making homemade hummus this week. So I soaked my chickpeas all day long and you don't have to refrigerate it. If it's for like 12 to 24 hours, like it can just, all you have to do is put some beans in a jar with some water and just make sure you change the water before you cook whatever you have soaked. Um, but yeah, that's a great way to help break down the foods that way your body can digest a little bit more. I do want to touch on real quick, the malnourished what you just talked about with being malnourished because I never put two and two together until after I got rid of my SIBO that when I had SIBO, when I was at the height of my digestive issues, I was 
very, very thin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, (laughs) being a woman at the time, it was, I was like, it didn't bother me. But now looking back at it, I was like, holy crap, I was so malnourished because I would eat, 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 eat. And I would be hungry all the time Mm -hmm. because I was not absorbing anything that I was eating. It would, I would eat it and then it would leave my body. And, you know, looking back on pictures now, I'm like, oh my gosh, like how did nobody, and I would like, I dropped one year, I dropped like 20 pounds and my doctor was like, oh, you just lost weight. Like, I don't know. And I was already like really thin. And so if you're losing weights or if you're gaining weight because you're hungry all the time, those can also be signs of imbalance happening in your gut. So I just wanted to throw that out there because you mentioned it and I was like, oh, that's a really good thing to bring up because again, I don't think a lot of people put two and two together when it comes to weight and digestive issues. Right, right. I was the same. When I, I, when I was at my height of the SIBO issues, I was 22 or 23 and I was a dancer. So I loved it. I was like, I'm skinny, but I was sick all the time. I have picked, I have a, one picture of me because I did professional photos around this time and I am so thin and I have these dark circles under my eyes and I'm so pale and I'm smiling, but and I was probably sick that day and, you know, horrible bloating, yeah. horrible gas. And yeah, I yeah. think, um, I think also because that does create this hunger and these cravings, right? Because we're not absorbing our oh my nutrients. Gosh, yeah. So, and we're bloated, but we're still hungry. And it's like, you're bloated, but you're hungry. So you're just going to keep eating. So I think that there is something that I, I, I want to mention macronutrient ratios. Are you familiar with like the metabolic typing diet? Ooh, I don't think so. Tell me more. Um, well, okay. So the metabolic typing diet is basically metabolic, what metabolic typing diet. Okay. It's something that, um, FDN functional diagnostic nutrition, where I have my certification they're they're really big on, and I can't remember the name of the guy. I feel like it's coming to me. Like, I can't remember the name of him, but anyway, uh, it's basically like a way you take this test. That's a questionnaire. And you find out the tendencies of your body and the tendencies of your body, according to them, will show you if you are a protein type, a carb type, or if you are a mixed type. So that means that you want to shape your meals around whatever type you are. So if I, so I was a protein type, so that meant that I needed to have a higher ratio of protein and fats like compared to carbs so that I would feel satiated. I would feel, um, full after eating. And now I do like the metabolic typing a little bit. I follow it with my clients, but the bigger idea, the bigger picture here is when you are malnourished, when you are hungry all the time, when you're bloating all the time, what are you normally eating all the time? usually carbohydrates, right? It's usually you're just showing carbohydrates and snacks and you do like, you know, gluten-free treats or yogurt or whatever. So one thing that you can do 
if you're experiencing chronic issues is really pay attention to your macronutrients, your proteins, fats, and carbs, and make sure that you're not just eating one type of macronutrient, you're having that full meal so that you're eating to be satisfied. You're eating to be nourished. And even though it's harder when you're bloated, it helps when you, when you have the fat and protein, even if it's just a little bit, because it will help it uh, not spike the blood sugar. And it's just, it's, it's easier to digest. So that's one thing that I will mention. I don't know if you want to say anything on that. I mean, I think that's really interesting. I, I definitely think balancing your meals is very, very key as you're going through the healing process. Um, just because, you know, like you said, it's very common to when you're hungry, go fall back on carbs because they give you this quick burst of energy and, you know, they're satiating for a split second. And then 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, you're like, Oh, I'm hungry again. I need something else. And if you're going to like fruits because they're low calories, you don't want to, you're trying to like eat low calorie. Um, it's not beneficial at all. It actually works against you because you're spiking your blood sugar. You're not getting satiated. And if you're somebody who's sensitive to FODMATs, like eating fruit all the time can actually make things a lot worse for you. Right. So I love like how you've talked about proteins because, you know, that's typically one of the, I don't know, as, as far as I know, that's like a really safe food for right. a lot of people. Is, right. I want to specify though, really high quality protein and fats. You don't want to have a bunch of saturated fats because that's going to increase the lipopolysaccharides, which is going to increase leaky gut. So yes, it's like, it's that fine line between, okay, she said eat more protein or eat more fats. And then you're shoving your face with whatever that is, but maybe yeah, like a a cheeseburger but that is actually going to exacerbate it. So yeah, it's a tricky thing. I think it's unfortunate that um, for people who are not unfortunate, but when you're really sick all the time, you can't just be normal. You know, you can't just eat what you want. You, You know, when you go out with your friends, everybody else is fine and you're not. And so it does require education and it requires work to be aware of what this food does to you. And then you can, you know, you can change about it. So, or you can make change with your diet. So, so we mentioned, um, I just want to do a quick little recap here and then we'll get to our last few questions. So we talked about what causes bloating, um, when it becomes a problem, when we should be alarmed, Um, we talked about what food causes bloating, why those high FODMAPs cause bloating, um, and then some tips on what to do right now. If you are experiencing a lot of bloating, we've got cooking your food, eating food that is pre-digestible. So uh, soaked and, um, uh, sprouted and removing those inflammatory foods, like the big ones, gluten, dairy, um, sugar. Right. So, and then paying attention to that macronutrient ratio. So those are some, some hands-on what you can do right now, but Amanda is going to be really getting into it for starting Sunday. So we'll make sure that, um, if you go to her link in bio, you can sign up for that. 
and also her website, which is amandagalewellness.com. Um, and you can sign up mm -hmm. for that. I'm, I'm going to be there on Sunday. And then my event will be on Tuesday, the sound and movement healing event for SIBO and IBS. And so you can sign up for my mm -hmm. event on the link in bio in my link in bio on my profile. So let's take, mm -hmm. let's take a second. I think we will, it's like, we could talk about this stuff forever and ever, but I want to make sure yeah. that we leave stuff for your event because <laughs> we don't want to cover it mm -hmm. all. I do want to add really quick. Cause you mentioned yeah. like what, what people can do now with just being aware of the food that they're eating and, you know, removing the heavy hitters like blue and dairy sugar and, and all that stuff. But I you know, I think it's really important to remind people that when you're going through a healing protocol, it's all very, very temporary. So, you know, just because you eliminate certain things for a certain period of time, it doesn't mean that you can't have them again in the future once your digestive system is able to heal. So, and things like gluten and dairy, like for me, I've kind of dabbled in gluten since I've totally healed my gut. I mean, I haven't sat down and had a sandwich or had a pizza, but I've gotten like a high quality sourdough bread from the farmer's market. And I've had a piece of bread, which Monica, I would have never done a year ago. Like that, my health coach at the time was like, Oh, try bringing gluten back into your life. And because I had this mindset that gluten was like evil, I could not do it. But then, you know, as you said, like, as we get more educated on this, you can bring things back into your life and you can go out with, to restaurants with friends and you can enjoy those meals. It just does take that time of healing before you can kind of get there. So I just wanted to throw that in because I don't want people to think like healing the gut means that you have to take all these foods out of your diet forever. That's not like what we, that's not what we do. That's not what we're talking about. It's usually like 90% of the time, it's just a temporary thing that you have to do until you can get other stuff under control. Right. And there's also something that I learned along the way is restrictive dieting is very different for everybody. It's kind of subjective because if you ask somebody who is very well aware of nutrition to take away certain foods, it's kind of like no problem. But if you ask somebody who eats a lot of processed foods and sugar and really has no concept of it, then it's really hard. It feels like such a drastic change. And so it's about like the baby steps. And again, I, I continue to harp on that education because when you go through that journey of educating yourself about nutrition, of taking things out, trying new things, and then seeing the change and feeling the change of your body, then your cravings change. It's incredible. Oh, totally. You it's don't incredible. want, right. You're like, I, I never want to have sour patch kids. I'm sorry. I used to love it. I would just jelly beans. I would just gobble up jelly beans. Right. Tootsie rolls. Oh, I love Tootsie rolls. Oh my God. And Laffy Tap, like Tootsie rolls. You're so oh my good. <laughs> I know. Like Halloween candy, Laffy Taffy, give me all of it. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. But like, you're so right. Like once you change, it's like a switch. Like, I mean, I don't know if it's crazy to say this, but like, it's really like you wake up one day and like, you could kind of care less. Yeah. Like, but in the moment when you're going through that, there are growing pains, definitely. But that's why I think working with somebody to 
guide you through that process so you don't feel so alone, so you don't feel like your whole life is crashing down on you. Right can be so, so helpful. That's why I eventually ended up hiring my own health coach along my journey was because I was just so confused and so lost with eat this, don't eat this, try this, try that. Like it can be really helpful when you find someone to work with because it can make the whole process quicker and a lot less stressful. Right. And it also is great to just have somebody to bounce your ideas, your experience off of. Like I just had a session before this with a client and she was like, oh my gosh, I I can't believe I didn't think about what you mentioned. It's because she, she's, she's a little bit older and she understands a lot about nutrition and even somebody who is very well-versed in natural health or in the human body even me, you know, sometimes you don't think about things all the time about what's causing about what you can turn to. And so she was like, man, I'm so glad you said that because that really made a difference. And, you know, it's just kind of like, I think this whole idea of healthcare being a team effort is the future and is something that's going to really make the difference in people's gut health. So, um, well, we covered pretty much the last question. Um, I guess we'll just leave it with I, the, the last question is if you can do one thing today to reduce your bloating, what is it going to be? So I guess maybe we'll just say that and you can tell me what you really think is the most important element of trying to reduce your bloating down and, and what your message about bloating is. <laughs> That's so funny to say that. <laughs> I mean, if there was one thing that someone could do today, I would say it's to really tune into this whole idea of eating mindfully. And really, when it comes to your food, slowing down and chewing your food as much as possible because we have control over one phase of our digestive system and that is the chewing aspect and once it leaves our mouth it's kind of up to our body it's up to our microbes but as far as something that we can do it's to chew and also give your time give yourself the time and space to enjoy your food because if you're at work and you know you're eating your raw salad in between sending emails or in between phone calls at your desk, like you're hyped up, you know, you're, you're in the stress of work, right? So when you can get away from that and maybe like, just go outside of your desk, maybe go to the break room and sit down and eat somewhere else and eat mindfully and chew your food, it can make such a difference. I actually want to share a story with you real quick. The I had this friend once and we were talking about this and they were expressing to me that they experienced acid reflux all the time and bloating and upset stomach. And I was like, oh, well, um, one thing that you should try is like really chewing your food. And they were like, what? I never even like, what do you mean chewing your food? Of course I chew my food. And I was like, no, like I mean, really chew your food. And when I say that, I'm talking like 25, 30 times until food becomes like liquid in your mouth, which if you don't do it all the time, it's very odd to like actually sit down and take that time to chew. And I told them this and I was like, next meal you have, 
try chewing it until it turns to liquid in your mouth. And a couple of days later, they texted me and they were like, oh my gosh, I haven't had acid reflux in three days because I've really taken the time to chew my food and be mindful when I eat. And they were like, I haven't been bloated and I haven't had acid reflux. And they're like, and I think it's because I've been eating mindfully. Right. And it's crazy how something so small, something so controllable can make such a big difference. So that would be my thing if somebody were like, what do I do right now? What would be your thing? Well, basically it's kind of the same thing because when you are mindfully eating and when you're taking a second to be present, you are in rest and digest you, your parasympathetic nervous system is activated. And to add to that, you know, you could add some breaths, you could add a little bit of, you know, just two minutes of like meditation. And I say this and I have a hard time with it. You know, I could chew my food more. I could breathe more. I could stop and, you know, think about, you know, not turn the TV on. So we all do this stuff and we know that even if the answer is simple, even if the task is simple, it still takes that mindfulness, that action, that responsibility. So my number one action step, I guess, for bloating is to focus on the motility and the peristalsis of the intestines. So we have our nervous system and then we have our peristalsis, which is like the squeezing from the mouth all the way down to the colon as the food moves through the body. And so one way to do that is to move, to breathe, to get the body moving, to make sure we're not stagnant all day long. And so that's kind of my number one thing is to focus on getting the food moving through the body, because if it's sitting in that small intestine, then it ferments just like it, just like your fermented vegetables, when they're on the shelf for a long period of time, that bacteria that starts to grow, you get spores. It's the same thing with our digestive system. So if we can get that food moving through movement, through other intervention, through nervous system training, I think it can really help a lot. Um, Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Before? I guess. So this has been great. We, we tried to keep it under 40 minutes, but <laughs> that didn't work out. We got about 50, 50 minutes, 53 minutes. So, um, why don't you just remind everybody how to attend your event? And then I'll remind everybody about mine and we'll call it a day. All right. Sounds good. So my event is happening on December 5th, which is this coming Sunday. And it's all about how to banish bloating in five days. So just a recap of what it is, is over the course of five days, once you sign up, you're going to get daily emails that will give you actionable tips and steps to take in order to help you start banishing bloat. I also have a special recipe book for everybody who signs up that you're going to get. And um, these will all be foods that are meant to prevent bloating, maybe help you if you are struggling with bloating. Everybody's different. So I'm going to try to make most of the recipes will be low FODMAP. So I'm just going to put that out there. But um, so you're going to get that. And then on day three is your event. So in the evening, I'm on the East Coast. So your events for me, it's happening, I think, at 7 on the East, East Coast time. East Coast, 7. Um, 5, 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. 
Okay, so it'll be seven Eastern time. And so that's, you're also gonna get that. And we'll be going live in the Facebook group every night for Q&A to expand on the topics that we'll be talking about in emails that you guys get. So it's, it's gonna be quite the event. I'm really, really excited. I've never done anything this robust before, especially for free. Yeah. So if you guys are struggling with bloating, you can sign up for this event by going to the link in my bio. And it says like banners floating in five days. You can also find it um, on my Facebook and on my website as well. So banners floating in five days. I'm so excited. I'm really excited to have you, Monica, as part of it too, because I think that your sound and movement experience is going to be amazing for people. So I'm that's a little bit about my event. But- and be sure to still register if you can't make the events because yes. Amanda will drop the information in your inbox and I will give you a recording of the event. I'll probably uh, make it like a, a YouTube unlisted or something. So um, yeah, uh, day three of Amanda's event, we're going to do sound and movement. I, I am a dancer. I have a, a an advanced movement background. I taught Pilates, um, dance. I've done a lot of different energy methods, energy work. And so what I've done is really pull from various different methods of basic, uh, styles. It's not advanced stuff. It's stuff that I want anybody to be able to do regardless of your condition, your age. Um, you know, even people who can't really stand up. They can still do this because it's breath work, it's self-therapy, it's vagal nerve exercises. And uh, it, and also we're going to be listening to frequency-minded music, which is just the cherry on top. Because if you listen to frequency-minded music alone, you're already doing stuff for your body, but we're adding this other element of movement as well. So um, my link in bio, my website, betterhealthbymonica.com. And we hope to meet more people in these events. So thank you, Amanda, for joining me today. And we'll have to do this again sometime. Oh, it's so much fun. And thank you everybody who is watching this live, who's watching the replay. If you guys have any questions about my event or Monica's event, do not hesitate to shoot us an email, send us a message on Instagram, Facebook. We'd love to answer any questions you guys have or just connect and, you know, hear your stories. Um, you know, we're all about helping people and just trying to make people more aware of different ways that you can heal your body naturally. So this was so much fun. Thank you so much, Monica. I had an absolute blast. Me too. All right. Well, I'll catch you on Sunday. All right. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Thank you guys. Bye.